You're listening to This Week in E-Commerce, the Ecom Nation podcast. Dive into the top online retail headlines with your hosts, Paul Waddy and Mal Chia. Let's load up the cart. This Week in E-Commerce, episode 19, the no foreplay episode. Straight in, Paul. How are you? Yep. <laughs> good. How you doing, Mal? Very good. Hopefully, we don't get censored for that one. Um, all right, we're going to dive straight into it because Paul does need to leave partway through. Um, so, first up is where we're looking at Etsy. Etsy, which who I'm actually a huge fan of. I, I really enjoy Etsy. Um, they have laid off 225 of their staff after what their CEO is saying is essentially flat sales. Um, and they kind of looked at the pandemic and saw the growth they had then. And then the last couple of years, they essentially just haven't grown. Um, why do you think that is? I've been thinking about this, um, really trying to like, I'm sorry, oh, it's got to be Timu or has it got to be Amazon or whatever. But um, I've never, I can't pin it. I, I can't work it out. You know, I was just on a meeting before this with a um, client who started on Etsy and did so well actually um, buying, from, buying from Etsy wholesale. Um, I've never actually bought anything off Etsy, but I would be interested to know. I mean, I, I don't know the um, how much of their business is, ho- is wholesale, how much of their business is kind of that uh, D to C. But that's a um, that's a massive change. Two hundred twenty-five uh, employees notified on the live stream, which is a bit awkward. Um, unfortunate timing, holiday season doesn't really put it down to shares drop. Doesn't really put it down to uh, anything. It just says like, sorry, we're sacking people and it's going to cost us 30 million to, to sack people. So mm. I can't, um, I didn't see it come from, I don't know if it's just softer sales. Um, God, no, like just flat, flat growth, like no growth. Yeah. yeah. I, I look at it and go, I, I think part of it's like, it seems meant to be for, for, for creators, you know, it was originally there for creators to be able to sell their wares, whatever it is, you know, have it personalized. But now there's so many different avenues, you know, like they can do that now on Amazon. You can go D to C. There's so many different avenues for, for, for creators to do that. You can go on Patreon, do, do something similar as well. That I think you know, Etsy just hasn't evolved. Having said that, I do like Etsy quite a lot. My wife uses Etsy all the time. Um, but for me, it's just, I think there's just too, so many other options for, um, for, for retailers, but particularly like creators, you know, those um, makers, I should say, to be able to go and sell their products. I think you're right. I mean, it has to be that, right? Like we have access to eBay, Amazon, Etsy. Um, it's not hard to build. I mean, we know Shopify's grown. Not, Shopify doesn't give you the audience that Etsy does, but I, it's grown and there's a lot of newbies trying to build Shopify stores. I would have to hazard a guess and say that all of that has contributed to people trying to own their own channels. And, you know, I, I definitely think Shopify's taking a bit of that because some of these creators are popping up on Shopify. But hmm. yeah, a little bit sad and a little bit unexpected but um hopefully they you know hopefully they kick on mm. now one story which uh, which i thought was much more exciting uh, was actually that barbecue galore are leading the charge in terms of the adoption of open banking um which is a really cool one uh, which is effectively what it means is that it's going they are going to be allow uh, their customers to pay via osco um, which is the open banking protocol, which allows you to pay directly from your bank account without having to do an electronic funds transfer. So you can just do a payment. I don't know exactly how it's going to work. It's going to work through the Wave app, that's W A A V E, um, with their pay through the, which is owned by the payment orchestrator Gravy, which is G R four V Y. God, gotta love those names. But allowing consumers to pay directly from their bank account, um, and thus merchants and consumers 
avoiding being slugged with those extra 1.29% fees mm. on top of your transaction. Not bad. My bad. Mm. I kind of like this. I mean, I use that. Like, I, I get that little OSCO message on my phone, so that's how I know that I'm using it. But I think that um, I like it. I think merchant fees typically for an e-com business sit around 35 to 4%. So it's not, um, to put that into perspective, it's more than most brands spend on rent. So it's a fair bit. So anything that kind of can lead in the face, anything that can kind of alleviate that um, 1% or 2% off the cost base, I'm really happy with. And I think anything that provides a little bit of choice to consumers, I'm, I'm also in favour of. So it's off to barbecue as well. I love this one. Mm, so do I. Look, it, it actually surprised me how long it's actually taken for something like this to happen. Um, given that, you know, OSCO has been around for quite a while, the changes with open banking have also been around for quite a while. Now the ability for people just to avoid paying by a credit card, having different options to make that payment. When you think about it for a $100 purchase, you're probably not stressing about it too much. But if you think about going out to a restaurant, you think about booking flights, or you think about buying white goods, for instance, you know, you buy a fridge, you buy a fridge, online from appliances online you pay $999 someone's got to wear that credit card transaction whether it's you or whether it's um you know whether it's the consumer or whether it's the merchant someone's going to wear that you know wear that uh, transaction fee now if you're effectively taking that off that's an extra one percent to your bottom line which you just add just by encouraging your customers to to go this to to pay to use this different payment option instead i think it's great um and you know i I do hope that more people use it and that once it comes out more people do use it um because credit cards are effectively you know a uh, a nice little uh you know nice little tax which uh which which banks get to (laughs) amex and mastercard and visa get to get rich on yeah company like barbecues galore another one percent on the bottom line is probably quite significant so um yeah really clever like this Mm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one. So definitely watch the space. Hopefully we can find out more about it. Um, we've been in touch with the uh, with with the company Wave just to find out more about how it works. They do have a Shopify integration. So I believe that Shopify merchants can actually start to look at it now. And I'm keen to do some more digging and figure out how this all works as well. Mm, very cool. All right. Now, one uh, one which uh, definitely caught my eye this week is that in the there was a COP28 summit, um, which was basically the UN summit to look at um, climate change, what action was going to be taken on climate change. And the big news out of that one after Saudi Arabia and Iraq threatened to uh, to, to effectively um, stand in the way of any deal getting done was that a deal was eventually done um, to look at how to reduce our reliance on fossil fuels. So effectively looking at how to reduce fossil fuels. Now, what the fossil fuels have to do with e-commerce? Well, a big part of e-commerce is, as you know, it's always about apparel. Fashion, apparel make up such a big chunk of what we do. And what most people don't understand is that most of the fabrics, most of the textiles are actually petroleum-based. So if you look at polyester, um, nylon, and fabrics like that, which are in everything, this T-shirt which I'm wearing, you know, the trackies I'm wearing, your shoes, that's all going to be, that's all made out of um, uh, petroleum byproducts and also any plastic as well. So I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what does this mean for the industry as a whole? You know, if if we're, there's now going to be this roadmap, you know, does this mean that it's going to be harder to attain those fabrics and suddenly everything, the price of, of materials is going to go up, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, or, 
what's going to have to happen? It's going to, I, I feel there's going to be a, a big change in the industry. I know a lot of people are looking at things like recycled polyester and, and like the likes of LSKD, right away, Lululemon, other brands have already started using recycled polyester um, in, their, in their garments. But is there a wider change which is going to happen here? Everyone's part of, and those brands that you just mentioned are obviously you know, big and probably probably knows, have done a bit of research on this. I think there's no doubt it's got to change. Like, if I mean, the, um, the, the interesting thing is like, you know, I don't know too much about these sustainable materials. I like hemp um, as a material for clothing. I don't know if that's, you know, any less dependent on fossil fuels than anything else, but I really like it. But I think a lot of people um, are, are talking about, uh, I guess, people shopping in an ethically, uh, in an ethical way, but that's a lot of talk at the moment. Um, I think what will force that is the bottom, the dollar going up, and it sounds like it will. It sounds like it will get more expensive to produce your your typical, you know, particularly your your fast fashion garments and so on. And there's one thing that um, is a great uh, there's one thing that'll escalate change pretty quickly, and that's rising costs. So you just mentioned it might not be a bad thing. I tend to agree. Um, if it is that we need to move towards more sustainable products, I think we need more than goodwill. Um, not, I'm not saying that you know, for me as well. It's like, well, there's a nice T-shirt. It's cheap. Mm. I'm, I'm going to buy it. It looks good. Um, but if those prices do go up, and I think it will force brands to actually look at alternatives the way that you just mentioned, LSKD and Riderwear and so on are. So this could be one of those necessary evils to kind of push change along. But it, it sounds as though uh, you're 100% right. Uh, it sounds as though that, the costs are probably going to go up in, in apparel um, and it'll be interesting to see how brands combat that. And yeah, I, I'd be re- like, I'm not hundred percent convinced on some of these recycled polyesters and stuff. Like definitely if um, I'm interested in it, I can't say that I've adopted it yet. Um, like I'll be honest with you, I like um, hemp because it's just a good, comfortable thing. I have no idea if it's, you know, environmentally friendly or sustainable. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure hemp is sustainable. Is it? Well, that's why I buy it now. Uh, <laughs> now that you've said that. But yeah, I mean, if, for sure. Like, if there's if there's what if you want to influence change, impact someone's wallet, and that'll get them thinking a different way. So, yeah, I, I'm interested in this. I, I don't think it's a bad thing either. Hmm. Look, and I think that's something that's absolutely right. Like, we've been trying for years to try to push people towards making more sustainable choices in terms of their their purchasing. But it's only until you actually get the stick out that you can you can tell people all you want. It's like, hey, this is bad. This is bad. You need to stop doing that. But until that, but the carrot approach has not really worked in terms of significantly changing people's behavior. You know, otherwise, some of these sustainable, sustainability focused brands would be billion dollars, billions of dollars yeah. now. But the reality is that it's a fast fashion brands like Shein, which are, which, which are worth billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but now you, if you get the carrot out of the fact is that, well, do you know what? We're not going to let you sell it anymore, which means that yeah. everyone has to change the game. Everyone has to change what you're doing. So hopefully that starts to change that behavior a little bit more. Um, and there's actually a report yeah. that um, over 70% of apparel has plastic in it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, wow, it's, a, it's, it's a huge amount. But that's, um, that's such a good point because I feel like a lot of these um, passionate people have started brands like you know, Juliet Flora and Fauna and um, you know, Zyoko and all these people, like, and some of them do quite well, but a, a whole bunch don't. And that's the reality is they're investing a lot of time and energy and they're not quite getting the cut through of um, the profitability or the scale of you know, fast fashion. Hmm. But I, as I always say to them, like, hang in there because you're so early at this and you can't help but think like 10 years ago, I don't know, I wasn't thinking about electric cars. Now they're kind of everywhere. You can't help but think the tide will, will turn. 
maybe this is one of the catalysts for that. And those brands that have done the hard work um, over the last couple of years have probably struggled at certain times. Hopefully, they'll see a windfall in the next five years. Hmm. Well, look at Amazon. Like Amazon was one of the very early e-commerce stores. You know, Amazon yeah. has been around since like the early 90s. And look yeah, at them a lot now. Of people, a lot but of they hung in there. Every, yeah. yeah, everyone told them like you know you're never gonna you're never gonna make a business by selling books online. But yet they've outlasted you know the Barnes and Nobles and all that of the world and grown 100%. and far exceeded them just because they the old Wayne Gretzky game saying you skate where the puck is going, don't skate where the puck is, like skate that. to where it's going. And I think some of those brands are doing that right now, and this may almost accelerate that change because suddenly you can't yeah anyone who's currently using plastics already like your 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 cost advantage of being able to do things much cheaper because of the fact you're using plastics, you're going to lose that advantage mm. because everyone's well, going to need to move towards, you know, more sustainable materials. Yeah, that means we need to hurry up with our little side we do, project we do. as well. <laughs> That's got, think, me, got me going now. Yeah, this is like the, the eighth time I think, I think we've said this. <laughs> it's coming, guys. It's coming. It's going to be good. Now, one more which we're going to cover off uh, before we uh, before we wrap is that we're going to talk about um, Chemist Warehouse, uh, mm-hmm. and they have recently announced that they're going public, um, but not through a traditional IPO. Um, so they're actually going public through another listed brand, Sigma Healthcare, who are acquiring Chemist Warehouse, mm-hmm. thereby allowing Chemist Warehouse to go public. I, I got to say, I've never seen this before because you avoid all the scrutiny of. Going through the whole, um, you know, um, the, the the listing process of putting together all your documents and you know, um, you know, registering with ASX and all that, which actually opens you up to so much scrutiny. But it kind of allows you to actually go to market. Like it allows you to actually have that event much, much faster. So by IPOing, by not IPOing. I think this is called. Correct me if I'm wrong. A reverse listing, or something like that. I I, I feel like I've heard this term. Before, I was just Googling it, and I, I heard this with one of our clients, actually, Mal, in the, in the US, who, when I they were trying to list for a long time, just couldn't quite get there, and then announced, oh, we're, we're being bought, or we're buying. It's hmm. like, oh, well, what happened? They're like, no, no, this is how we're going to list. It's like, well, this was way beyond me. Yeah. But I, I feel like it's called a reverse listing. But yeah, um, that's bizarre, like really, really bizarre, like Chemist Warehouse, obviously yeah. a... Um, a behemoth, and I, the Pharmacy Guild of Australia ACT branch has expressed major concerns out over the proposal to reverse this chemist warehouse. So, yeah, I mean, this would be interesting to dive into a little bit further. Um, it's mm. really weird because, in face value, I'm just like, why wouldn't they just IPO themselves? Like, I don't quite get it. But, um, yeah. yeah, well, um, it's looking yeah, like um, it's. I think it is a bit of the the reverse the what do you say the reverse acquisition of re- reverse, reverse, listing. Yeah, reverse, yeah, reverse listing reverse listing it's reverse yeah. listing because like while Sigma is technically buying Chemist Warehouse, Chemist Warehouse is going to be the entity. So it's actually going to be the the, the that, controlling right. entity in all this, and they've shown significant growth. Like I got to say, I, I'm. I've four kids, so I'm at Chemist Warehouse at least yeah, once same. a week. <laughs> yeah, <So. laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah so they're, they're, they're a great brand. They've got fantastic branding. Like you just know exactly what you're going to get yeah. when you walk in there. True. They're bloody everywhere right now. Um, yeah. You know, they, they paid out dividends in the last two years of $365 million and yeah. $264 million. Dividends. Wow. Which is yeah. just crazy. So what a, what a fantastic business. Um, we'll see whether that one gets blocked uh, at any stage if there are concerns about anti-competitive behavior. Yeah. But it's just yeah. another interesting way, you know, off the back of what we were talking about in the predictions webinar yesterday, that yeah. IPO is not the only route to, to, to having that yeah. sort of liquidity event. That there are other, 
other avenues now, such as either an acquisition or a merger, you know, to be able to grow. Um, and that's another conversation I was having with uh, with a VC this morning, you know, about about what's that neck, what does VC look like, you know, for e-commerce, you know, since DTC businesses haven't really been able to take off with their IPOs, mm. whether the next round of investment is really going to come from investing in that vertical integration or horizontal expansion. I spoke about that on the on the webinar. I think that's really, really interesting. And I think, um, yeah, I, I'd love to see more of that. I, that's super exciting. I, I think especially the vertical integration side. This is a weird one because I was reading it laughing. It's like reverse takeover. It's like, please, please buy me, but we'll be in charge. It's like, yeah, yeah. But, yeah really. It's like a, Sir Jim Ratcliffe currently trying to buy 25% of Manchester United to have controlling control of the football operations. It's like, okay, that makes no sense, but sure. Yeah. We just so, need new owners beyond, at United. Beyond my, beyond my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Paul, I believe you need to, to leave, so I am I going to shoot. You do a shoot? So, I got to shoot express uh, express express podcast today, but we got through a bit. Yep. But before uh, I sign off, so thank you, Paul. I'm going to just continue on just a little bit, just to talk about the the diversity okay. inclusion project. Um, Paul, no we'll see you next week. Um, I so that's a great little project which um, uh, Carmel Zine and Kelly Slessor, um have been putting together. So they've got a great board there, which they've assembled um, to really challenge some of the DEI issues uh, in the e-commerce sector at the moment. So they had the first event at um, La Lagos, I believe it's called, in Sydney um, the other day, very well attended. Uh, and I've got to say, it's, uh, it, it's a welcome change to see an event like this, uh, given given the, the importance of representation in the industry. Um, and as someone who who is a minority themselves and immigrated here when I was quite young at, at the age of five, I've been here for 38, for 38 years now in Australia, I've experienced a lot of that. Um, so being able to see the importance of that, and even over the last few years as well through my career, seeing the glass ceilings, which are sometimes put in place um, you know, on either people of colour or for Women, um, in particular, it's good to be able to see that there is an organisation which is now going to be challenging people, going to be challenging executives in this field um, to really ask themselves some tough questions. There was somewhere I was with previously where the where where, where two managers um, who were doing very very similar roles, but in two halves of the same coin, let's say, um, were on pay differences of about twenty thousand um, dollars, and it was something which, when I brought that issue up to the CEO and said, "Hey, there was a problem here," um, the response back wasn't, "Okay, we need to make that right." The response back was, "Well, they never asked for a pay rise, and that's what they signed up for," um, which I thought was uh, was was an incredibly um, backward way of looking at things. Um, so that's something which I'm really happy that there's now an organisation here which is hopefully going to start challenging a lot of that. Um, and then again, also later in my career as well, also seeing pay people of um, Asian or Indian descent um, not really get a look in um, for senior roles. And again, with a recent interview which I've been in, um, I've had I've had someone comment to me about we're unsure about their ability to communicate, um, whether they're going to understand the culture um, when speaking about someone who who, who was from China, uh, which again I, th I thought was uh, was was perhaps a little bit narrow. Um, rather than thinking about, let's embrace that diversity. Let's embrace that different way of thinking and that different way of communicating because it might make us all stronger. So rather than pursue a monoculture, I'm really glad that we are now going to be tackling this issue head on um, to be able to create more opportunities, you know, for people from disadvantaged backgrounds of color, you know, um, you know, of 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 whichever gender or whichever persuasion, um, to be able to find roles in e-commerce. 
So that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully with Paul for the full time, uh, to be able to do a full-length episode as we wrap up the year. In the meantime, uh, we did do the 2024 predictions webinar um, the other day. So the slides for that will be are available now. So if you would like a copy of the slides, feel free to message us um, either on LinkedIn, go to the website, ecomnation.com.au, and we'll be happy to send you a copy of it. Um, in the meantime, have a fantastic Christmas. Actually, we'll speak before Christmas. Have a fantastic weekend.